success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and they rarely talk about it because that's not what creates success. Join us here where we'll chat with serial entrepreneurs, both men and women, and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship. We'll talk about the obstacles we faced and how to overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is She's Invincible. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on She's Invincible. And do we have an invincible one for you today? Michelle Bassett's journey is a testament to resilience and the power of self-learning. Born into poverty and spending her early years in the projects of Queens, New York, she grappled with a subpar education system, a less than ideal family dynamic. And to top it all off, dyslexia. Despite her challenges, she was not only the first in her family to graduate college, but also went on to earn a master's degree and postgraduate certificates. Her professional journey began with a bachelor's degree in behavior analysis in 2011, leading her to a master's degree in internet marketing in 2013. Michelle quickly discovered that her unique blend of statistical behavior understood behavioral understanding and digital marketing expertise set her apart in her field. She helped many brands thrive even before terms like conversion rate optimization became mainstream. As her career evolved, she expanded her skills by earning a data science certificate from Emory University in 2017. She has worked with globally recognized companies such as Coca-Cola, IBM, Red Hat, Nextdoor, Snap, which is formerly Snapchat, MailChimp, Best Buy, and the parent company of Burger King and Popeye's RBI. Welcome, Michelle, to She's Invincible. We're so excited to have you with us today. Thank you. I liked it on paper. It all worked out. That's what I'm thinking as I'm reading this and how quickly you moved through the educational system. I'm so excited to introduce you to our listeners today. So let's jump in. Let's tell our listeners how in the world, seriously, how in the world did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible? It's just like that story you told. There's a lot of ups, there's a lot of downs. But if I had to hone in on something, it would be that applied curiosity and this seed that was planted as far as you can be whatever you want to be. I was told that very early on and I believed it. (laughs) So... I can be whatever I want to be, probably minus an astronaut and a gymnast right now, but I also don't want to be those things. Yeah, that's it. Just, yeah, I I can do that. Sometimes I wake up and forget I can't do stuff and then I do it. And then I go to sleep the next day, wake up and be like, how did I do that? That is absolutely insane. Tell us like, how does a young girl growing up in New York City in the projects How did this Mm -hmm. start? What did you want to be when you grew up? What were you thinking as a child? And then, and how did that play out? And honestly, we talk about the steps in your bio, but Mm -hmm. give us a little bit of the background. What was that like? Counter to the perception of the story, I lucked out in, in a lot of different ways. So my mother, she grew up in the 80s. She was a product of the 80s and late 80s in New York City. There was a little thing going on called the crack epidemic. And she got pregnant with me and she she had a drug addicted baby. And so she subsequently went to jail. And throughout my life up until her passing, she was in and out of jail just because of drug related issues. The story gets better. So my grandmother, again, she tried to do her best. She had six kids of her own and I was not planned by far. And she had no, no conception with me at all. And one day I just popped up. She and my aunt just did their best that they could do. But I was still very much no one's child, so to speak. And so 
that being the case, you're just left out on your own. And as long as you're not causing too much trouble, you just get ignored and you just got to figure out life for yourself. They had their own lives. They were their own women, their own people. They had their own relationships and they did their own thing. And I was just there just trying to figure out how to be a human first (laughs) and then just trying just to figure out life. And in many ways, again, it gets better. And in many ways, I have this dual life. I had this home life and I had this school life. And so my school life had no inkling whatsoever of what my home life was. I was a straight A and straight S because in like elementary school, you don't have all A's and B's yet. So I was straight S, E and A student. There there were very little indicators as far as being sent back home that I couldn't read until probably the fourth grade. Because that's when all the state tests come out and stuff like that in New York. Sure. Is, uh, yeah. And, and, and in New York, there's a big state test in, in the fourth grade. <clears throat> and it was. I'm old now. <laughs> and it, it got word back that I'm like in the 10th percentile <laughs> of, of, of being able to read. It speaks a lot to the school I went to as well. I, the projects is right here. The backyard to the projects is right there. And there's the school and most children in in my class they also weren't raised by their parents and if they were raised by their parents it was one parent and they typically either had a drug or alcohol addiction or they were going through some sort of rehab adjustment program and one teacher to about 30 plus students people are, are going to fall through through the cracks. But again, if you're not causing any troubles, you're pretty much good until the state comes down and starts testing people. Here, here goes that applied curiosity popping up at an early age there. So I was walking to school in New York. It was like February-ish. <laughs> so it was, it was ice on the ground. And I've never been one to have balance. Balance is not my forte. It's not my thing. Being, uh, I, I, have, I have no idea how walking on two feet works to this day. And I have multiple anatomy and physiology classes under my belt. Okay. <laughs> so That's long funny. story short, there was ice. <clears throat> there was me. And soon the ice was there and I was on the ground. Okay. <laughs> so I wind up breaking, snapping my tibia in half of my left leg. Mm. And I don't know if you know what the tibia is. So you got your big, long thigh bone and then you got another thick bone. And then you got like this little bone on the side, just hanging out, chilling, (laughs) not really doing too much. (laughs) And that little tiny little bone on the side, that is the tibia. It's not supposed to break, not meant to be broken. Okay. (laughs) So when you break it, you're down for the count for a little while. And so um, my leg wound up being broken, uh, snapped completely in half, went back together because it was like, hey, what you doing over here? It's not supposed to be broken. But long story short, I had a cast from my big toe all the way up to my top hip. to, to the wow. top hip. And in New York, in my area at that time, because we moved away, we moved to another housing area. And so it was a good mile walk to school a mile uh, uphill both ways in, in the snow you, you, you know the story sure, but no, yes but like genuinely it was a mile walk so I couldn't go to school because New York no cars and so I couldn't also not be educated per social work in the state of New York <laughs> at the time so my social worker wound up getting with the school and I wound up getting a, a a personal tutor so I was homeschooled essentially for the remainder of that year almost because it was from February to May and I was probably in school for a month or so I had this tutor come over and that kind of blended my home life and my school life mm. and that was the first time where I had to deal with both at the same time and also just having to deal with that, but with that both. And then now I have these, the negative reactions for me not knowing how to do something that I was never taught. Yeah. Plus an outsider coming into my home, trying to teach me how to do these things. And for the vast majority of the day, no one's there with me. 
And again, I don't have balance. I can't use crutches. I never figured out to this day how to use crutches. And I have subsequently broken more bones and sprained more ankles. My ankle is currently sprained right now. Not in line to you. So I still never learned how to use crutches. So I got my walker. I got my little meals that was set before people went to work. And then I got the TV. And on the TV, I got the, the Lion King VHS. Okay. I watched this movie frontwards and backwards from the time I was five until that point. One day I wind up sitting on the remote and the closed captions come on. So it was like one of those things where it was like an old couch, the remote's here somewhere. I sit down, I plop because no balance, thigh high cast. Closed captions come on, TV mutes, remote is missing don't know where it is (laughs) so now i have hours upon hours of just watching this movie that i've seen a thousand and one times already but now there's words to it Mm. and i learned how to read genuinely learned how to read and have comprehension because that was a big part of my reading journey by watching the lion king that is insane. So insane. <laughs> yes. All right. So this is how you learned how to read. So it wasn't the tutor at all. And so he was there. He was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, let's fast forward. So you you learned how to read and you continued on with your education. And what were you thinking about going to college or getting a degree? Uh-huh. What did you want to be? Yeah. This is a current gripe that I have with TV, social media and reality as a whole. When I was five and I came home from kindergarten because you walk home from kindergarten as you do with a key around your neck and you get in the house. Right. And you sit down minus the Power Rangers and probably Barney. There were TV shows on that showed black people going to college. And so it was a different world there was the cosby show in general just showing successful black families and so me being in my circumstances and having that home dynamic and it it was really my perception of the home dynamic because it really wasn't all that bad me looking back on it and being like oh okay that's why but my perception of my home dynamic and seeing if you go to school and you make good grades you can go away to this magical place called college. (laughs) Okay. Now at that point, minus probably my teachers or somebody, like I had never known anyone who went to college and really as far as my area, it wasn't expected. It was like, you start talking about college. Now you think you're better than everybody and there's beef and problems. (laughs) And so my goal ever since I saw the Ever since I saw the TV shows and people going to college and having all these higher level degrees and money and wealth and all this other stuff, that's been my goal since I was five years old. Did I know it was going to put me in crazy amount of debt? I did not. <laughs> but I did know that was going to probably be the path for me. And they don't show that on the TV, right? You never, yeah. they all go to college, but you never hear about who paid for it or how. It exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you get interested in uh, marketing, SEO, mm-hmm. branding, things like that? This goes back to that college dream and debt. I initially started off school being wanting to be a practitioner of orthotics and prosthetics. Does that match what I currently do? Absolutely not. Then I moved down the path of computer science. Remember, the dream was just to get away from the house and go to college. college, Yeah. All the other stuff as far as what major and this and that and financial aid, I had none of it. (laughs) None of it. And, And I eventually got to calculus three. This was the year that my mother died. I'm in my computer science major. I am taking calculus three. Again, didn't go to the best schools in the world. So I don't have that that study background where I was just, I showed up to school. They gave me grades. I did good. I was great. Yay, me, right? And calculus three was not going very well. My mother's funeral happened right during finals. And I didn't pass calculus three again for the second time. So I was like, look, running out of money. Gonna switch my major to something easy. That's what I thought in my head (laughs) for something easy that I could BS my way through. 
and I found behavior analysis. That is the relationship. I know people are going to have feelings about it, but that was my thought process. Again, I was wrong. (laughs) I can admit when I'm wrong, but I got there, took a few classes, fell in love with it as a whole. It's psychology on steroids. That's what I like to call it. And it has a whole lot of math involved in it. However, 2010 rolls around. So that was 08, 09-ish when I was like, all right, I got to change. I can't do this anymore. So 2010 rolls around and I'm about to graduate. (laughs) So I won the game. I left out. I left home. And so by this point, we're no longer in in New York. We're in um, Atlanta. We had been here since I started high school. So now I was like, oh, what do I do now? So it's like I've been working jobs. I've been so I've always been working and working on top of my working. And so now what do I do is it's time to graduate. Sally Mae is going to call me about her money. And so I was online. I had moved back on campus after an event that we may or may not talk about uh, later on in the conversation. And I was just online and I saw this little banner pop up at the ones that used to pop up and they were all colorful and it was like ding, ding, ding. And so it said, okay, in three clicks, you'll essentially have a thousand dollars in your bank account if you just follow this whatever program or whatever, right? I'm young, I'm dumb, I don't know any better. I'm the perfect target market for these people, okay? So I spend my little $39.99, whatever it was. And I click about three, four times. Nothing happens. <laughs> Nothing happened at all. <laughs> I click about 17 more times and I'm like, all right, I don't think that this clicking thing is going to work out for me. Okay. <laughs> but that introduced me into the world of internet marketing as a whole. But then I started to get little SEO jobs, search engine optimization jobs, because Google was doing, it was called the Panda update, where you could no longer have these copycat micro sites. You had to have, you had to have real genuine copy on your website and you had to have uniqueness. And it it was a big deal that, that took out a lot of businesses. Wow. Who it was, it took out like a good percentage of, of businesses that relied on a certain microsite business model and it killed a lot of them. So I didn't make money from the ad that talked about the three little clicks, but that little ad exposed me to internet marketing. Again, I don't have money to pay Sally Mae. Even with the little SEO jobs I was doing on, it was Elance at the time. That's how seasoned I am. (laughs) It was called Elance. So the little Elance jobs I was doing and working as a manager at Walmart overnight, I still was not going to have Sally Mae's money. So I wind up finding a school who had a master's program in not only marketing, but internet marketing. I knew it was something there. Mm. And it also delayed. It was. And then it, it also delayed paying Sally Mae back her money. So you got um, her money, right? So you could give it back to her. Yeah, I'm uh, still not doing that. No, I'm not. <laughs> but that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> that's so, a different... so you worked with little smaller companies in SEO and then you mm-hmm. worked for some really big companies. So tell mm-hmm. us what that was like. What was it like to work with companies like Coca-Cola mm-hmm. or Nextdoor? I mean, these are pretty big mm-hmm. companies. Yeah. I've again, like I've always worked on top of work on top of work. I've always had multiple jobs, so to speak, even though they're not all that great jobs. So working on Elance and then later Upwork and then other sites that that just kind of gig economy jobs before gig economy was a thing. You wind up subcontracting a lot. So you wind up working with small businesses who are just, oh, I want to have a drop shipping site or I want my own e-commerce thing or I want to start a podcast. Right. So you initially start working with these people one on one and then you have these agencies that wind up picking you up and say, hey, we got this this client. I want you to subcontract because you know how to do whatever. Right. Perfect. And so that started to build the relationship. My very first big client was Best Buy. It was 2011. My grandmother was still alive. And she said, oh, you think you big name now? You working with Best Buy? And I'm like, I'm not. (laughs) But anyway, when Best Buy did their revamp in 2011 and they redid all of their models, I was still working in SEO and data at that time. 
ads heavily for like different campaigns. And so I was the one who actually helped that. And when they had other campaigns down, down the road, we had that buffer, but it was like, I did work with them for a, a little while after that as well, probably 2013-ish. Yeah. So what makes you invincible? It almost seems like a silly question after <laughs> all that. <laughs> Again, it, it, it's really complex. It's a whole bunch of stuff, but it really all boils down to I really forget that I can't do stuff. So I and I say it that way because I don't want to sound cheesy like, oh, you could be whatever you want to be. Again, can't be an astronaut can't be a gymnast right now. I'm not going to make I got, I got my ankle is sprained. I have torn tendons. I, t- I, st- I told you I never learned how to balance. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm so surprised I, I can ride the bike, to be completely honest. <laughs> ah, that's good. But, but mm-hmm. God, no, I was saying that me being invincible, honestly and truly comes from, I forget, I have a Dory moment, Finding Nemo for reference, yes. for those of you who know. I have a lot of Dory moments where I just totally forget that I can't do something. It's, oh, you want to put down the stucco? Sure. (laughs) Do it. That's awesome. But that's a great way (laughs) to live because you don't doubt yourself and you're pursuing all kinds of neat things with curiosity, which I think is amazing. Today, we're going to talk about marketing um, and SEO, right? And I know you threw that out there, search engine optimization. Yep. Uh, A lot of people don't even know what SEO stands for, but they know that they need it, right? Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about I feel like maybe we should talk about SEO first and then we'll just go into like regular different marketing things and how we use SEO to market. Mm -hmm. So tell us about SEO from the back wall. What does it do? Why is it important? Why do we need to be working with it at its Mm -hmm. highest level? Okay. I have feelings about this and I'll try to stay as neutral and educational as possible. And then I'll tell you my feelings about SEO specifically. I'm lying. I'm going to tell you now. A lot of people who do know what SEO is typically found out through some salesperson somewhere, right? Sure. And the salesperson is typically pitching, oh, this is free traffic for your website. If you do those three clicks, remember those three clicks? If you buy this thing and do these three clicks, then your website, your podcast, your whatever will be found by millions and billions of people and you will have unlimited traffic for free forever. And that is very much not the case. (laughs) So what SEO is, the structural framework, and this is my data scientist marketing at it it is structuring your web platform no matter what it is it could be a website it could be a blog it could be a social media account doesn't matter right it is structuring your web platform to be easily found typically most people care about google on google google and bing top two ones so that means that you have content with a certain amount of keyword density. You have a certain amount of uh, uniqueness as far as if you have an e-commerce store and your products, your product description can't be somebody else's product description. <laughs> so if you're drop shipping or something, you copy and paste whatever it is from the manufacturer or the eBay ad or whatever, it's not going to work for SEO purposes because it is not going to be unique. They found it somewhere else on, on the internet and your timestamp is later than that timestamp. So you lose the game. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's about high ranking sites and link juice and how much you link back to other people. And it, it, it is a whole guessing game to, to really just try to keep up with Google. But those are the main el- elements. So structure, so your back end, all your back end PHP stuff, right? And then as far as content goes, your uniqueness, your keyword density, the amount you you post or make new content as well, and just relevance for the audience. Google is feeling the heat because they have been the leader in SEO for so long that people have learned how to game Google. So now when you try to search something for Google, it might take you three or four different searches or even pages at this point to even find what what you're looking for because so many companies have gamified SEO to the point where it's not relevant a lot of times for the user, the actual person user to find what they're looking for. But that was 
what it is in my own little spin on it as well. So, so tell, let's talk about keywords because this is a big thing and a lot of people don't know enough about keywords. So tell us like, how do we know what keywords we should be using? Is there a rule there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's rules to everything. They're all rules shouldn't be followed, but there's always rules. But okay, so for keywords... It really all depends on what, what you're doing. If you're doing a podcast, right? You want to make sure that when someone is searching on being their phone voice search, that you typically come up first or second, preferably first. And so those keywords can be found. There's just like a big list of keywords just on Google. If you go into the ads tool specifically, and it'll show you search volume. And so you also want to use phrases. So they're called long tail keywords. So phrases that your ideal avatar, viewer, listener, buyer would say. So if I am down and out and I'm a female in corporate America and I'm going out to launch my own business or I want to start my own podcast and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I just need something to help me out. And I just talk into my phone wherever it is now living its best life. I don't know where my phone is. And I say, hey, Google, now watch everything in my house go off. Find me a podcast or find me an inspiration on how to be invincible girl boss it's that's okay okay because she was gonna start talking out the blue but that phrase work will ultimately submit you to the top but the thing is just like most of the world on the internet now the sentiment is hollow because it's all about gamification and traffic and, and and the whole game and fame it, it it has become about numbers and not about how am i serving the person that i want to serve now part of it is good and genuine hey i want to set out a beacon for my avatar who needs me right now to find me right but then if you start gamifying it with keyword stuffing and placement here and doing this and doing that it soon becomes disingenuous and the lack of that knowledge and the price point of what some people charge for SEO. I know one guy who charges $5,000 a month for like basic SEO setups. Like ultimately, I think it's like $7,000 for a six month contract. And he doesn't even guarantee results until the last month because SEO does take a long time. It takes at least really 90 days in my opinion, data wise to start seeing the benefit and to track it back appropriately. But once you have it, SEO is good. I don't want to tell people that it's not good because it, it is good. It is a good thing to have. It is good organic, organic, so not paid, uh, organic way for your audience to find you and to buy products or to listen to your message or to whatever you want them to do. But ultimately, you got to do it for the right reasons and it'll come with time anyway as long as you're making good content for people to consume so don't pay these people seven thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> that's great i love that okay so let's talk about marketing in general so yes. seo is a great way right to mm -hmm. be found for people to find you and discover you as long as you're using the right keywords or the right phrases and that your content is good and relevant. So let's talk about marketing in general. What are some other ways that you recommend people marketing their business, their work, their programs and courses? It really all depends. And so I was talking to I was talking to a gentleman earlier this week about the most common misconception or like my, my biggest marketing pet peeve. And so when people come to me, especially people with a, a info product or someone who's just trying to promote things, they all want to go straight to Facebook. Hmm. Everybody wants to go to Facebook and oh, I'm, I, I take that back. 90% of people want to go to Facebook and the other 10% want, wants to be TikTok famous and go viral. But essentially everybody wants to go viral on the internet. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make up a name here. Joe Schmo. Joe Schmo comes to me. It's like, hey, Michelle, I, I saw what you did on this campaign. 
and I got this government contracting guide I want to put out there. And it's a course. It's going to be big. Everybody's going to want it. Right. Hmm. I want you to make me go viral on TikTok. And I say, okay, Joe Schmo, I have a magic wand in my pocket. Let me break it out real quick. (laughs) Bibbidi bobbidi boo. You're now viral. What are you going to (laughs) do? What what are you going to do? You don't have a website, number one. (laughs) Uh, You don't have a way to capture and nurture leads, number two. You don't have any fulfillment plan, number three. Number four, your funnel sucks, just terribly sucks. (laughs) And you don't have enough money to continue this process once these refunds start rolling in because you're going to get refunds because you can't fulfill on the promises that you made. So, mm. so that is my biggest pet peeve when someone comes to me and is like, oh, I want to go viral and I want to be the biggest thing on Facebook and, and subsequently Instagram now. I want to do that. And it's most people who have that reach and that authority on social media, they post at least three times a day. Now, it doesn't have to all be video, but you need to have a mix. And again, this is just us as marketers guessing. And I say us as marketers, even though I'm a data scientist, but I'm still a marketer. Like, who, and it who changes. Are who are we but kidding? It changes all the time. Like, exactly. yeah, like you can have all the data you want, but next week they change everything. Exactly. So just, exactly. I always feel for me that as soon as I figure it out, they change it. Yes, I finally got it. And then it's tomorrow. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so a, a good a good tip there is that I make sure that I stay in step with everything that Facebook is doing. Facebook, Google, even Microsoft will be for the sake of this conversation that they, they have these Google has a quarterly meeting where they go over all the new things that's coming out, especially for three, 360 clients for the bigger clients sure. and like Google Cloud and like all these things and then how that's going to affect your ads and SEO, especially with all, all this AI stuff coming out. Facebook has a bi-weekly little press release that comes out and then someone winds up making a video and putting it on YouTube typically. And then Microsoft, I think it's quarterly too. I'm not sure, but I, I'll just see every now and then because I really have been running ads lately because most people just want me on, on, on the back end being like, oh, well, what do I do here? And then what levers do I pull to get a bigger ROI? Because essentially... Once you get past the romance of, oh, I want to be internet famous and I want to go viral. And it's Todd, you sell printer paper. I don't, that's not exciting. (laughs) I'm not excited about that, Todd. That's not going to go viral in a good way. Now I can go make you go viral in a bad way, (laughs) but you sell printer paper, Todd. No, no. But anyway. So once we get past that conversation and I'm like, hey, maybe we should try something a little bit more controlled and traditional. Let's start running ads. And then as soon as you start spending that dollar and you get a little scared, it's not going to come back with friends. That's where I step in with all that data analysis. And it's okay. This campaign isn't meeting expectations. I also have to set expectations because some people went to this Grant Cardone thing and they're like, oh, 10X, 10X, 10X. I'm like, no, let's start with two and work our way up. <laughs> okay. I love it. <laughs> and I, people are going to get me for that one too. But but it's just like for every dollar you spend, typically with me, you can expect five to $7 to come back. If your expectation is for every dollar you spend, $10 is going to come back. I don't know what kind of magic genie well you got going on, but I would like that as well. And if you are willing to share that information with me, I will be extremely happy. (laughs) But really, a really good conversion rate optimization strategy on mixed platforms, not just one platform, because you can get kicked off of a platform. I've seen that happen. Yes. You can lose your entire audience as well. So it's best for you to use that platform and then have another place where you have either squeeze page, which is just an offer typically, and then their name and email address. So squeeze page where that audience of 100,000 people on Facebook or TikTok or wherever, they then 
sit on your website or, or, or your email list. So if you do lose the, the ability to advertise for whatever reason you got hacked or somebody reported you or YouTube just lost its freaking mind, which it does occasionally, um, then you have a way to speak to your audience, the people that you are typically helping. Cause that, cause I, I, I always come from a kind heart place mm-hmm. and people are like, Oh, you're so mushy. And I'm like, I'm not though. I'm not <laughs> it's just, it's just coming from that. Hey, there's a person out there who needs me It's my job to get in front of that person. Bottom line. Now, if Facebook says, Nope, you're canceled. You're out Bye. that person still needs you. So what are you going to do to get in front of that person? And you want to fortify that relationship and protect that wallet as well by making sure that they are on a list that you can control. I love that. And you talked about that earlier in the fact of Joe Schmo not having a website, not having a landing page, mm-hmm. not having a CRM to be able to capture this information mm-hmm. and go to the next step. And I do think that is such an important thing. And I teach that in podcast school as well, that you can't run your entire business or your entire community on a social media platform, but you really need to, because you own your email list and you own your Mm -hmm. podcast Mm -hmm. and no one can take those away from you. So I love what you're saying here. This is so good. Oh my gosh. Tell us Mm -hmm. about your new company. (laughs) So everyone keeps coming to me for stuff, right? And so prior I had and still have uh, a company in general where I, I mostly consult from marketing and data stuff. But a lot of people for the past, I want to say two years, have been like, hey, Michelle, how do I start a business? Or hey, Michelle, how do I sell this product? Or hey, Michelle, how do I do X, Y, Z? And it's like, all right, fine, forget it. I'm just going to start. I'm just going to package everything together and give it to you. So when I started doing that, And really when I started consulting as well, I saw people who genuinely did not have the funds to have, and I don't want to name names, but certain funnel programs, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you got the funnel program, then you got your phone number, then you got your web hosting, then you got your web security, then you got this and then you got that. And then so your calendar and then so ultimately for everything you need, in my opinion, to have a successful foundation so that we can have genuine conversations about here's how you do AI business automation. Cause it's because also everyone's in, in love with AI right now. They want to automate their business and do everything with chat GBT. Okay. Um, which I do <laughs> and I do it very well, but you have to have that foundation first. And so I essentially package together the foundation that everybody needs your logo, your website, your phone number, how to get your duns, how to make sure that your EIN is straight for your LLC. Make sure that you have this. How, essentially make sure that you're fundable, that your business address is not your home address. Your email, your business address <laughs> and your home address should be two separate things, especially if you want to be funded by any bank or you want to raise your panic score, which was like your business credit score. And if you want to be taken seriously in your business, now you can still do, do, do your, now we're getting technical. You, you can still write off your home office. You can still write it off, but you need an address. It's not a PO box and that is not your address. Anyway, I constructed course and I gathered all the tools. I had my developers stick them all together. So they all work together. And I wound up naming it BizCore because it's the core of your business. Now, Biz, how you would spell it, the domain that I got <laughs> was B-I-Z-Q-O-R. So it's very balanced, very cutesy when you see it on paper. When you look at the logo, you're like, oh, it's so beautiful. And so that's what I'm working with right now. We haven't launched yet. It's been a long time coming. The problem is I keep getting like people I know as clients. And part of the package is that they get a logo, a website. And so I just keep getting people interrupting me because they want (laughs) the services. And I'm like, but no, I got to build this thing. And they're like, no, I want you to do it now. So (laughs) that's awesome. And we'll have the link in the show notes. So you can reach uh, Michelle and uh, find out more about her new company that's coming soon. Michelle, tell our listeners, where's the best place to find you? 
If you just want to reach out and chit chat, I love helping small businesses. I feel like that is where the most impact is made. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn and the link will be in the description. Okay. That's right. And so it is Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-A, my middle initial, Bassett, B as in boy, A-S-E-T-T. Perfect. This has been so great. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster, and you want to come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there that are going to be sharing their genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend and it is on Zoom. So super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment. We can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. And she's invincible. We promise our listeners we're going to bring them fierce entrepreneurs and we're going to share their expert zone of genius. So thank you so much for doing that with us today and sharing about marketing and the do's and the don'ts and the social media, SEO, all the things. So helpful. But we're not done because we also promise our listeners that while we're spotlighting these fierce entrepreneurs, that we're also pulling back the curtain because people will look at you and think, oh, she's so lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's what they think. They think, look at her. She's got a son. She's this, she's that. They think you're lucky. They have no idea what it takes to have the life you live. Mm -hmm. or even your journey. So yeah. we're going to pull back the curtain right now. We're going to tell a few stories. Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> sure. All right, let's go. We're going to start with the good. So tell us a story about the good or the greatest part of your journey so far. The best part of my journey so far is honestly my son. He is the bee's knees. I essentially replicated and 3D printed a male version of myself. So I argue with myself on a daily basis. It's great. It's wonderful. But uh, but he, he definitely pushes me forward. And honestly, being a, a single parent has really motivated me to make sure that he doesn't have to live the life that I lived in any way, shape, form or, or capacity. Now, it definitely has its drawbacks because he just thinks money just grows on trees <laughs> and the world revolves around him. And I'm just going to let him think it for a little while. I love it. Oh <laughs> Here my we are. gosh, that's great. Okay, so next we're going to talk about the bad. We're going to mm -hmm. save the ugly for last. But tell us a story about the bad part of this journey. 
a, a lot of it was just going back to my original story, having this dual life. And so as an adult where your home life is your life, <laughs> essentially, it tends to bleed into uh, other areas. And me being interested, genuinely interested in multiple things, data and behavior and marketing and, and money, wealth building in general and entrepreneurship and this and that and robots. And so that caused me great angst. Again, also, I'm the very first person in my family to graduate from college. I'm the only very first person in my family to even talk about multi-generational wealth. I'm the only person in my family to do a lot of things. And that's scary for a lot of people. And so the feedback I'm getting, a, 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 jack, of, a jack of all trades and, and a master of none. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I... I heard the rest of that phrase, a jack of all trades, but a master of none is still better than a master of one. That is when I was like, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to purple unicorn it up. That's the brand. So it's everyone's looking for this purple unicorn who can do data, who can do marketing, who has that work ethic to treat this project like it's their own company. Because in many ways, I make people do a contract to contract, corp to corp deal. And it is my job. It is my, it, it is right. me. Right. And so it's so many people lose sight of the things that could really bring them joy because they're only doing one of the things that they love. When you can do it all. You can do it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. if you can handle it, right? Yeah. And so uh, that that was the bad part, just being lost in everybody else's opinions, everybody else's perceptions of my reality. And it, it's still a struggle from time to time. And then I just wake up and I'm like, who are these people? No, <laughs> like no, we're, we're just doing it. We're just waking up and we're doing it. All right. Now we have to tell them about the ugly. Okay. So tell us a story about the ugly part of the journey. It's not, it, it's not the prettiest part of my story, but it is definitely pivotal. And we touched on it a little bit when I was talking about my mother and our relationship or lack thereof. And also around the time when I changed my major. So it was like 2008, 2009. <laughs> picture to Sicily 1990 no yeah I, I've been watching a lot of golden girls lately but so picture this 2009 the world is a chaos and I am again first time college student junior trying to graduate trying to figure out my way in the world and then my mother who I didn't have a good relationship with at all she dies and I don't feel the way that people want me to feel. And I don't express those feelings either because, again, I didn't have a relation. I didn't have the relationship with her that I wanted to have. So I was not mourning the loss of a mother, but mourning the loss of never having the opportunity to have a mother. And people couldn't wrap their mind around that because their aunt died, their sister died, their child died. And my lack of emotion was hatred towards everybody, apparently. And that that got me a, a lot of flack. I am traveling during finals for college. I am living off campus because at that point I had two jobs. I had the money to make rent and then I lost everything. I had a 97 Mazda protege and the transmission went out. Mind you, again, my family does not have money. <laughs> my, my family is not supportive in many ways for me being in college. My family is upset that I'm not upset for the reasons that they're upset <laughs> right now. And so I am on my own. And on top of that, I wound up getting sick. And when I say sick, I mean, also don't know how many of you are familiar with the foster care system, but depending on your state, when you turn 21, you're no longer in the foster care system. That means you no longer have health insurance because I had Medicaid my, my whole life. So you're no longer in, in, the, in uh, on, you no longer have medical insurance. At this point, I don't have a job <laughs> and I'm living off campus trying to figure out how to eat, how to get back and forth to campus. Uh, I had a roommate at that time who wasn't paying rent ever. And so things were just bad. I wound up having a uh, really big kidney stones, didn't have any help there. I almost went into renal failure, actually. Uh, but I had John jaundice. I was constantly throwing up. And then that year, it was also it was also like the bird flu or something. It was like a crazy flu that came out that I wound up getting and they had to do a biopsy. It was crazy. It was absolutely insane. And so one day in November, I was just like, 
uh, enough is enough. A roommate guy that was living off of me at that time, actually, he had a gun and I got the gun and I wind up attempting to use the gun. The first time it didn't go off. The second time, guns are heavy. Don't know if you ever <laughs> held a gun before. Uh, the, the second time I, I did pull the trigger, the gun did go off, but recoil and just weakness at that point, my body wound up falling back far enough to the point where the bullet wound up hitting the bottom part of the window. Neighbor wound up, the upstairs neighbor wound up calling the cops. He was a narc anyway, long story there. But my upstairs neighbor wound up calling the cops. And I got an ultimatum from my school. It was like, hey, look, either you come back on campus or you go home. You can't go back to that apartment. And again, five-year-old me, the point of going <laughs> was to get away. So I wasn't going back. So I wound up g- going back on campus. I wound up graduating again, summa cum laude. I was president of, we had BASA, which was the ba- Behavior Analysis Student Association. And I, I lived my life from there. And really, it was just that adjustment that I needed and the medical attention that I needed as well. And once I got that, I was pretty much good from that point on. And yeah, that that's the ugly, ugly man. Part. That is ugly too. Talk about getting knocked out every different direction. That mm-hmm. is too much. And here you are, you did it anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And you're, you've been doing amazing things. You're raising your son, you're launching a new business. It's just amazing. You really are invincible. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for sharing your story so authentically and especially the value in your expert zone of genius to help other people to learn more about marketing and SEO. So you guys, if you're listening, click the link in the show notes so you can reach out to Michelle. There's so much here. There's so many reasons why you would want to connect with her. She is brilliant and she is invincible. And she can help you with whatever it is you need as well. So Mm -hmm. I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, like Michelle was, just get back up. Don't even think about it. It doesn't matter what's going to happen next. What happens next is you get back up and then you figure it out. It'll just come together. It always does. But I know you feel like you can't, but I'm telling you, you can. And you have to trust me. Roll over look at the ceiling and get back up. You can do anything. Thank you for joining us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please follow the show, submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. If you would like to chat to see if you can attract your ideal client and monetize your business through podcasting, please book a free call with me at cammylehman.com. I can't wait to meet you.